0: hello and welcome back to Christianity commandeered i'm your host dan hayward and i want to spend a little more time talking about the sin of certainty or just being certain in religion uh, mainly because i think that there's a lot of other things to talk about in this and also go into some more personal detail of how it affected my life and it really kind of comes as one of those core i, I think of it as a problem in christianity today because uh, really it just breaks apart relationships it breaks apart churches, uh, beliefs, creates conflict, uh, it's it's just, it's a difficult way to minister to other people when you've decided that you're right and they're wrong, um, and you know, when I grew up I was taught to basically share Christ by showing the world that you had something so great, uh, which meant that you were happy, typically smart, athletic, might be just everything being good for you, which is really unrealistic, but it was one way to show this brightness in the world that people would be attracted to and want. And I'll tell you, one of them that people aren't attracted to is snobbery and thinking that you are the end all, know it all about uh, what faith is. Uh, very challenging to even be able to relate to someone who you think is just wrong out of hand without even knowing what they're going to say. So, uh, one thing I, I I laugh at myself uh, for is that. A part of me is always going to be extremely irrational because I was trained, conditioned, uh, reading the Bible. It meant that you had to do things basically crazy in the eyes of God to prove that you were being faithful uh, or, or said in a different way. Basically, what you were going to do for God never had to make sense. And that the more it seemed crazy, like the better Christian you were. Uh, so for example, when I was young, I I always had these sensations of believing I got to drop everything and become a pastor. Or maybe I have to drop what I'm doing now and go to another country to minister. And uh, And another crazy thing I had, which, you know, slightly different issue was that Because of the kind of certainties and the kind of basic level of faith I was up of my upbringing, I had a sense that I could actually be the pastor as a teenager. And some of you are laughing at it, but you got to remember that a lot of people's interpretation of the Bible was just as good as the next person's and that their certainty and confidence in what they said was enough. I mean, I, most of my pastors had uh, educational backgrounds, so they might've, Uh, at least gone to undergrad, some had uh, full uh, masters in divinities, uh, so to speak, or further educations, but there was always people that were teaching that had no degrees at all, and they were supposedly of equal status to these other people. And Now, I didn't learn until later is that, you know, in many churches, there's just kind of a a, a secret known procedure that says we're we're probably not going to let people that haven't gone to divinity school preach up front because there's many problems without having the formal education. And I didn't know that as a kid. I just thought I, I memorized all the Bible. I knew a lot of it. I was inspired by it. I thought, why am I not teaching? You know, why why is the pastor up here um, the one that gets to teach all the time? When why, why can't I do it? Of course, it's horribly arrogant of me to think. Uh, terrible. Um, but that's just a product of the type of upbringing I had and teaching I had that that let individuals think that their inspired belief could trump everyone else's, or was as important, or as educated or experienced. Um, it was a way to really, really diminish other people's experience and understanding and knowledge that they'd spent time in school and learning about. And so, for me, that type of certainty I grew up with, and this kind of simple Christianity, kind of, so to speak, kind of really set this process of of arrogance and certainty. That even as a young man, um, I, I really I suffered from. Of course, I didn't know I was suffering. I just thought, this is how how things were as you learned them. And I was lucky to be born into this faith. And guess what? I'm right. Um, and I know it. And I just need to share it with other people. And a part of that was really kind of putting a pressure against science. And, and I was a very scientific young man anyway. I like to read uh, about information and learn things. Um, I can't say I like to read. For some reason, I just never enjoyed reading uh, for fun because to me it was always something you were forced to do. It was always educational. Um, And so it's something you had to recurgitate later. But um, the learning process was always put at issue with faith because there was this understanding that you could be inspired and not know anything. And... And I think that's going to be hard when you think about your children and, and, and teaching them where they should go because, you know, one, I think most of us agree that very young people, um, if we had them up teaching the word of God, we might might put uh, a lot of things at issue for us that we don't want to deal with. Um, we do want to understand and value experience and education um, and differing perspectives. And I, I still strongly, you know, not that we have to put kids up there teaching, but Um, I have a a belief that you can't learn anything from someone you don't respect. And I think it's a great value to hold to be able to respect everyone just somewhat, even a little bit, so that you can actually try to learn from them. Because I think we can learn from all people. Um, For us parents, you can always think to yourself, I don't learn anything from my kids. And then you have kids and you realize you're going to learn a lot from them because they they teach you and they remind you things that you just haven't thought of for decades. And if we're shut off to that, then we just think of them as less people. And then as we get older and they get older, we still have that dynamic that we always know more and are better and they should come to us for answers. You just aren't really helping develop this child into a a place where they can move on and and thrive and, and flourish on their own. They're just set into this kind of minor role of of the child and hopefully you know one of the things you guys are all weighing is is kind of how these would affect children as they grow and and i think that uh, jumping back to it if you're teaching kids the certainty of things and that things can be perfectly known uh, they might fall into some of these traps that i still have trouble with which is this belief that even today at age 40 I sometimes think that I need to drop everything and give up everything and do something else because that's something faithful and I can just do it and that, that, that makes me a good Christian. Um, but in another vein, uh, this does kind of set people up to to fail because I also started feeling like I would struggle with just working or going to school because none of those seem to be pointing to faith. and. There's many services I've been to that talk about how you can minister in every form uh, that we have, whether it be in, inter- you know, you're entertaining yourself or, uh, you know, sitting on a bench reading a book or at work or at church, you know, or just walking down the street. And that, that I, I understood that. And, and that came, I think, to be a helpful conversation to have. But I still, in the back of my head, was thinking, I got to do something crazy. I've got to jump out there and do something irrational because I'm really then proving uh, that I'm a good Christian. But also, it would kind of buttress uh, the idea that I could kind of make up for lost ground. So the the more extreme of a thing I could do, I could kind of make up for being lazy for the last few years. And uh, I think those are all products of my upbringing, of kind of this belief of what faith had to be and the certainty of faith and what it meant. And and one thing, other product I've seen in other people, that and this is not one thing I, I like to do, but I, it's one thing I really have a hard time hearing in other people, which is really using your faith as a trump card. Uh, it's uh, a way to tell people what's right and wrong, or it's, it's a way to tell people you can't argue with me or that I know better. So, for example, when, I, when someone tells me God's telling me to do this, I always cringe because I think to myself, well, one, are you... Are you saying you have a direct communication with God and God's directly telling you this, or are you interpreting this? Um, because my first thought, and, and this I would still say this is a good thing I grew up with, is that we still believed in reading the word, sharing the word with one another in community, and understanding what potentially we we're reading and experiencing. Maybe going to a pastor or someone, um, a spiritual leader, and really, like weighing those three categories together before making a major decision, or maybe just making a minor decision. So to me, when someone kind of jumps to the end, and says like, "I've God just told me to do this," you've kind of skipped these other layers uh, of ways how we can kind of help interpret our feelings, our spirit, and direction uh, in community, or even our just our own meditations. And and maybe some of these people have meditated, you know, maybe they fasted for twenty-four hours before they decided what they were doing, but. I always felt way more comfortable just saying, I, I just, I feel like God's moving in my life and I feel like this is what I need to do. Because I didn't ever want to act like I was blaming God for what I was doing or that I was claiming to know what God was telling me to do so directly and so understood. Because that's, I, I, it's a challenging thing. And I, and I know that other people are better at it, uh, or at least they, they proclaim to be. Um, so I do understand that other people feel more comfortable and more willing to talk about that type of certainty they have with that, that, that contact with God. Um, but I still found it challenging to talk about it, not something that I'd want to kind of pass down to my children as something they had to do, uh, because that, that level of certainty in my mind is just dangerous, you know, and I'm sorry for those out there who like to use that language and are comfortable with it but I just think that it's easier for me to, to, to take the blame for my own decisions. You may think God's trying to affect you. I think that's perfectly fine to say, but once you say, I'm be directed by God, you can't be wrong. It's a complete trump card to any liability or any consequences for your actions. And it's really just hard to, to work with other people to get on board. I, I, I know that I have had friends years ago who went into ministries and, and went to other countries and I had trouble with it, I'll be honest. I had really trouble hearing how their hearts wanted to do that and where they wanted to go, and I still wanted to be supportive as I could because I, I had gotten way past that point, um, which at least is one thing I did I did <laughs> tend to lose over time, which was the the kind of must go to another country to do ministry. Um, if you think about it this way, you probably need twenty people working in the states. If they were giving say ten percent of their wages or some you know, some lower percentage, that's you probably need twenty people just to support one person abroad. So you just need people here to support people abroad. Um, as a note, it's probably another topic we'll come up with later i I've become much more critical of of people working abroad in ministries rather than sending money abroad, which can go very, very far. I totally understand and, and and value going to different places and experiencing travel. I think that's something everyone should do. It gives us a broad base in understanding of the world and humanity, um, and even spirit. Uh, but long-term ministries, I just I have difficulty with, um, which we can get into later. Um, but kind of jumping back, um, I I don't ever want to be in a position where I think that I I speak for God, kind of with that Amish. Uh, uh, system or that uh, that proverb from the, the Amish that says that the the greatest sin is speaking for God, and I think that a lot of people are comfortable with that. Um, I don't think I grew up with a lot of people like that. I think that I just, um, but that was the tr- the trend, the direction that that was knowable. Um, and then as you get older, you started seeing people doing terrible things in the name of God and saying God told them, and I then I was stuck in the tension of thinking well, that person thought they were doing God's good well and they killed a lot of people and maybe I shouldn't use that language. And I think, if anything, that really tempered a lot of people of using that language. Uh, Anyway, I wanted to kind of go over a quick example of, of trying to be certain and living in that realm and showing what that looks like to other people and and for those of you who've followed some of the things I've kind of been writing on Facebook and uh, talking about it kind of in some of these uh, podcasts, I think that one of the the greatest threats to Christianity is people living lives contradictory to the Christ and living inconsistent lives of, of just not love, really. Just They're consistently living in the absence of love but saying that they live in love. Um, and so... I. I'm just going to give a couple examples that we've seen over the last couple of years. And uh, like vaccines. I think this is a, a tough topic for a lot of people because there is some historical background to people not taking vaccines and there being a religious connection. But to be frank, usually those are uh, religious groups that Christians look down on. Um, for example, like the Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, I, I, growing up, I would have never thought that they were Christian or religious group that that was was viable or comparable to Christianity. I, I definitely had that opinion as a uh, a young man, and some of their positions, I, I truly would have thought were like these are these are not fair or 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 truthful positions of, of the Bible. But then fast forwarding to the more ro- modern times, hearing of Christians saying, "Oh no, so we can we can opt out of the vaccine." Because uh, it's un—I don't know if you'd say unbiblical, but ungodly—and really, a lot of the arguments were simply saying that you're you're messing with God's will. And I, admittedly, I got a lot of these calls as a lawyer. I got a lot of these calls, so um, I have a lot of conversations on this. But people often said, "I guess it's my time to go." It's my time to go, and I just I had a really hard time listening to that because at the same time, these people completely willing to say that doctors can help people survive elsewhere you can go in and get health care you can go in and get medicines and um, you can get better food and nutrition for you that will help you live longer and have surgeries and use technology to make your life better and all of a sudden there's this line drawn in the sand that says well vaccines except they aren't and it was so closely tied with the right and conservatives' political arguments against it, that it was hard for me not to put those together in my mind. I mean, in my mind, that that was the primary reason they were connected. And I think if people are looking from the outside and, and thinking like I have, you know, I could be wrong, but they're looking from the outside. You, I, you could see posts on social media and discussions saying, these aren't really Christians, they're Republicans. They're not really Christians anymore, they're just Republicans, they're just conservatives. And they're just. Agents of the party. And so it makes sense that these Christians are saying, I shouldn't have to get this because they're making a stink for the party. That's exceptionally damaging to the Christian uh, community is that if we're ever being uh, compared to a party and that somehow we've been absorbed into a party and that our conduct is not based on Christ but on a party, that should be something taken very seriously. And I had a post. I mean, in the middle of this, I had a post and I just said, and this was meant to be somewhat of a free legal advice. Don't go out there and make a stink about the vaccine unless you're going to stand by it, because the problem is to discount someone's legal claim when it comes to the vaccine mandate, you have to prove to a court of law that you're a reasonable person holding a closely held belief that's connected with this this belief that you shouldn't get a vaccine. And yes, they'll go back in time and they'll see, have you had vaccines before? Do you use medicines? Do you go to the doctor? And a jury will get to hear all these things that you do medically to take care of yourself and make you live longer. And then you're going to assert that your faith says this. And my, my biggest and greatest concern when I posted that is that they're going to make Christians into liars in the court of law. And how damaging that is to our faith think that there might be many people going in there to fight that and I don't know if they were fighting it for their faith but for some other reason so if it was and I did come across a few some people that definitely they were going to sit down and say like you know what once I converted I haven't been vaccinated or taken medications for the last 30 years and I'm like good then that sounds like it's a very closely held belief for you you know you might be able to fight about this and win Uh, but I definitely had people on the way other side and I think that still plays into the certainty problem is that if you think you're so certain about something being wrong, so let's just say it's vaccines, and if you could just look from the outside and, and see what do, you, what do you think non-believers are, are looking at when you say these things, and then what do you think other believers are saying, and other people in the community are saying about this, it can be exceptionally damaging to your, your ministry or your mission, and I don't know if they realize it. And that goes back to the other point that I was making where sometimes you have to do something extreme to show that you're faithful. And I, and I think that's an example of one. You just want to do something so extreme, actually your life was put in jeopardy to not get the vaccine or just you jeopardize everyone around you, everyone in your family, anyone older in your family. It was worth the risk to show your faith. And I think I, when I saw it happen, it didn't confuse me because I think that's the kind of upbringing I had, There was this... this You had to have this desire and and wish to potentially do something dangerous for your faith, which might be traveling abroad to a dangerous place or, in this case, not getting a vaccine and risking your personal health and family's health and extended family and just people you see and go to see at a restaurant. Well, getting to about 20 minutes here, and I I think I've kind of covered most of the the topics I wanted to get into. but I, I think it's just something very careful to look at when you're talking with your kids. I don't know why so many people are so afraid to just say you don't know. And I don't know why so many people, and that that's more than just kids, that just with other people. No one expects you to have all the answers. And you know maybe you've expected you to have all the answers for your kids, but just remember that the more answers, the more secure answers you give them, the more indisputed, uh, indisputable questions uh, comments you have about all topics are just something that might come up down the road that you may not ever have a chance to discuss with them so if you do something and talk about having indisputed 10 years from now they might come up they may never discuss it with you and they've decided well you must be wrong you didn't consider all the evidence you didn't consider all the points that other people made and that you're not worth uh, discussing with anymore you know, one of my hopes is that our kids will always be in a position to come to us to discuss things and know that we will listen and be there and available for them and just help be supportive and loving to them. And if we can put ourselves in a position that they'll come back to us, we feel like that's a, a long term uh, goal and really just a long term hope for us that if there's any point down the road where they're having hard uh, discussions and, and hard uh, situations, they can come to us and not think that we've already come up with the right answer. And if they broke that answer, that they can't come talk to us. For example, kids uh, maybe having premarital sex and thinking, well, my parents didn't do it. They told me I shouldn't do it. My pastor told me I shouldn't do it. My youth pastor told me I shouldn't. I tried to live that way, and I didn't make it up, so I don't live up to the standards, and so I just want to hide it. And I don't want to talk about it. I'm afraid of it. And I'm not going to my parents about it. That's, that's something that type of certainty and black and white thinking can impress on a child that makes it difficult for them to come back to you. And I, I just don't want that to happen. And, and I understand these are, these are my opinions and how I, I see this. But I'm really trying to tell you what happened to my life and how I experienced things and how it kind of draw me away from really reality and people around me until I realized as I got older that that's what was happening and that people thought I was arrogant. Yes, and it's not surprising uh, to many of you that I was an arrogant young man and I thought that I knew a lot of stuff and I would memorized a lot of things, uh, but I had a lot to learn. And as a parent, we're all gonna have a lot to learn as well. And I just hope and, and pray for all of you that you'll put yourselves in a relationship that will grow with your kids And that exploration is a part of seeking out answers that maybe we can't know, uh, but talking about them is one way to just relate to our kids and build each other up. So with that, uh, I just want to thank you all for listening and wish you shalom.